The theme for the afternoon talk is losing interest in the beyond. Sometimes we take a look at our life, more often than sometimes I hope, and we see and experience the passage of the years. And so we look back to the past, and you and I will say of ourselves, well, I was born in this particular place, of these particular parents, who I, who I would never have chosen. <laughs> <coughs> and to be fair to them, they wouldn't have chosen us either. <laughs> and we, <laughs> this is a reflection of what you and I just been talking about, and we, move through life and in moving through life there are the changes that are taking place and therefore life if we give a very simple description of it from the human standpoint is a field of changing unfolding experiences and you and I can look back upon the passage of the years and we say well when I was in such and such or when I was of this age or of this disposition or uh, this way, this is how I responded, this is how I act. And we could look at photographs of ourselves there, and not only others may not be able to recognize us, but we look back and we think, God, was I like that? Did I look like that? And so everything in the whole being is undergoing some becoming, some process, some modification. So there's the passage of life is going by. We, I went to see my um, barber the other day. And actually, it was longer than that, a few weeks ago. And uh, I said to him, how long, he's 62 years of age. I said, how long have you been cutting hair? He said, well, I started in this shop when I was 18. So for five, five and a half days a week, from the age of 18 to 62, he has been cutting men's hair. I said, God, you've seen a few changes from those who are young guys, young men coming in with their nice thick crop of <laughs> black brown hair. And you've seen it go from that color to what we call salt and pepper <laughs> and then more towards the salt <laughs> and in some cases the salt is getting thinner and farther between <laughs> he says I've seen a, a lot of those changes and then he added including yours <laughs> have to make one feel depressed, isn't it? <laughs> so there is the passage of life from head to foot. Changes are going on. And there's a movement of life, we say conception, or we say birth, through to death, and it could look like this is it. This is our fate. Our position, our plight, our circumstance in life. Never asked to be born, 
skip, dance through life, pleasurably, painfully, both, neither, and out. Whoa. Whoa, whoa. And with it goes the skillful, unskillful, joy and struggle, well-being, dis-ease. It goes all the way through with it. And then teachings have come along. Religion has come along. <coughs> Philosophy has come along. Views have come along. Spirituality has come along. And it is said to you and me, not only is it one hell of a thing to be moving through this life, but has offered, religion especially of course, has offered something beyond it. The field of birth and to death, unfolding experiences, and something beyond it, and a means, a vehicle, a way, a system, a practice, a trust, a vehicle, or whatever, to go beyond it to something which is not in the field of birth and death something which is called uh, eternal. Men and women for countless generations have through a whole variety of ways and means and continue to do so wish to find that which is beyond, beyond it all. Some kind of security or refuge or something transcendent. And then with all of that goes a variety of beliefs and a variety of language. Yahweh, God, Allah, Krishna, Brahman, what else have we got? The Tao, the ultimate, the unconditioned, Nirvana, the immeasurable, the infinite, the limitless. And all of these words, and many of them, used for thousands of years, all endeavour to express and communicate there is something ultimate to this position as men and women of the earth that we find ourselves in. And given facing our states of mind, the immense problems of life, the view of, as the Buddhists uh, will say for some strange reason gate gate paragate parasamagate bodhi something swa thank you <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have co-teachers you know you know the, the memory is getting you know, a couple of years I'll be down to the gate gate <laughs> gone 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 beyond after that Gone to the other shore. Thank you. Gone, 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 beyond, gone to the other shore. So there is the relative, the conventional, the unchanging impermanence, the insecurity of it all, the vulnerability of it all, the indecisiveness of it all, the birth and death of it all. Wow. It must have, it must have some <coughs> appeal for some think beyond. some. What if we were to say, stuff it? Excuse the English vernacular, I think you get the sense. 
Don't bother with it. Let it go. Not be concerned with, oh, I am like this, and I want to get up to that. I want to reach up to that. A few months ago, my um, dear uh, teacher, Ajahn Tamadaro, I was in Thailand in uh, June to um, basically visit four places. Uh, one was um, uh, the cave, where I had spent the best part of the year, the early part of the 70s when I was a monk. And I had the delight with uh, Sudinand, this is Sudinand. He, he looks like Mother Teresa this afternoon. <laughs> uh, um, he's been a very, very, <laughs> he's been a very, very uh, dear friend of mine since 1970. We were in the same monastery together, and uh, Sudinand was a, a Buddhist monk for uh, 23 years. Um, very, very uh, good friendship, and it's a pleasure and a joy to have him. Here. And also interpreter for me with my. Uh, our teacher, Ajahn Damodaro. And remember, from time to time in the monastery in what China and southern Thailand, sometimes Christian uh, missionaries bless them. <laughs> <laughs> would turn up in the monastery. <laughs> not to practice, I have to add. <laughs> no, not a chance. Not those wonderful evangelists. And would, because they'd heard that there were, in the whole province of Nakonsi Tamarat, there was only one Tharang, only one Westerner. In all the monasteries, there was only one Western monk in this entire province. One. So they wanted to save my soul. <laughs> <laughs> I told them, look, I haven't got one, I'm a Buddhist. <laughs> You get the point. <laughs> and, um, and they would say to me, I you remember, there is only one God and there is only one way to reach God. And one has to call the telephone operator. <laughs> This is true. And when you've called the telephone operator, then the operator will give you a line to God. Now, in a hardcore Buddhist monastery of Vipassana practice, there are no telephone operators, <laughs> and there's no God. And Ajahn Damodro would just... You know, I think he wanted to send for the people in the white coats. <laughs> And the name of the operator, yes, you've guessed it, is Jesus. You have to get in contact with Jesus, and then Jesus will get you to, <coughs> to the beyond, to God. And then, after a little while of some communication, they gave up all hope for my soul. We'd left and would leave, and then a few months later, some other evangelists would turn up, and we'd go through the same dance. Okay. So the, 
there is a view and, and it can be a very problematic view whether it's called the Gate Gate gone beyond view whether it's called the Christian view there is God or Yahweh or Allah Krishna or whatever that once human being you and I as men and women of the earth identify with this view God help us once that view has been set inwardly just think of what has been done in the name of the so-called beyond the tyranny on this earth the murder, the killings, the wars, the violence in the name of that which is beyond once a human being fixes in that view all hell can break loose on this earth can, has the potential all the moralizing, all the self-righteousness all the condemnation of men, women and children can take place through the identification of holding with this view of the beyond and it's no easy matter to drop the whole story that goes with it and all the religious books and all the authorities that all go with it and say let me attend let me explore let me look into that which is right in front of my eyes so to speak let me look at what I can feel I can experience I can be intimate with right now and let me explore that and therefore no transcendent in one's life no interest in it None at all. Finish with it. It's merciless. It creates, in the Buddhist tradition, it creates the enlightened ones, those who have gone beyond, <coughs> and those who are hopeless. It creates all sorts of divisions, all sorts of hierarchies, all sorts of claims. And then one has the mediators as well, bless them. Gurus. It's not me. No, no, no. <laughs> it's it, or what he, or she, or that, or whatever. It's just <coughs> coming through me. Come on. <laughs> I'm just a vehicle for transmission. Oh, wait a minute. And people go, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so somehow the self of the consciousness, important here, wishes to elevate itself into a superior place. It makes a claim on something coming through me, something being transmitted through me. It's not me, it's something greater than me. It puts all of that in. So the individual self, the individual consciousness can then make a claim a claim of its own significance a claim for its own importance a claim of its own transcendence when one reads the text of the Buddha with some fresh eyes you see there's a really sincere attempt to wipe this all out the whole slate clean and start again and really read it with fresh eyes 
to break down this whole system of beyond and prophets and saviors and, and gurus and enlightened ones and, uh, uh, and all the, div- and the and telephone operators and the whole system. <laughs> <coughs> and it leaves us a little bit more, oh, oh, here I am with this. Just this which is going on, which is in my eyes and my ears and my thoughts and my feelings and my experience. I've just got this. Thank you. One of the strengths of the the Buddhist tradition is its uh, Encouragement, some of you will know. Ehi pasiko opanaiko pachatam This willingness and interest to look into the entire field of experience. And, getting back to the word that uh, Virginia and I were using this evening of uh, vulnerability. As a small servant of the, the Dharma, and I think perhaps many of you would agree, that when we think of what's been most troublesome in our lives, what's been the most difficult areas in our lives, perhaps for quite a number, we turn our attention to the recent or distant past, it's been around relationships. Dear old relationships. The relationships between a woman and a man, between a man and a man, (coughs) a woman and a woman between parents and children, between whether one's in the role of the parent or the child, between friends, between neighbours. When you and I think of areas which have been rather problematic and perhaps have caused us the most stress, the most heartache, the most sleeplessness, envy, jealousy, discord, conflict, confusion, relationship, 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 and relationship. And sometimes in the looking into the intimacy of things as you go through the day uh, here it isn't surprising therefore that in the course of the sitting and the walking the standing and reclining some story of one of your our whatever, relationship, will arise in consciousness. It's called a guarantee. <laughs> There's not much light in get that can be, can be guaranteed in life, but I can guarantee in meditation an issue around some kind of relationship with somebody else will come up. If anybody's never had this in meditation, oh, you've gone to the beyond. <laughs> so there's something that goes <laughs> the joke something that goes into the field of experiences and why I say this is as much as I love the, the, the Buddhist tradition and <coughs> Its vulnerability, to come back to the word again, is 
it has not explored deeply enough the nature of intimate relationship, period. It hasn't explored it sufficiently. That the view coming from <coughs> the Buddha, it's only ten minutes walk away, you know, he's probably, <coughs> probably walked through this room two and a half thousand years ago, well, who knows? We, scientists tell us we're still breathing the same atoms that he was breathing two and a half thousand years ago. No wonder we're coughing. So, <laughs> so the Buddha, looking at his own experience with Yashodhara, his father, King Sudodana, and Rahula, his weak old uh, son, and all the responsibility that went on in his relationship said, it's impossible. Relationships are impossible to deal with. And stepped out of it. And plenty of us in this hall have done that. That's why we're in India. <laughs> And in the stepping out of it, took. Am I too eccentric today, Jane? <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. All right. She's my mentor. Stepped out of it and put, which is appropriate, an emphasis on life, on a great waking up a sense of one's being, <coughs> taught a way of living of greater independence in life, and genuinely not being attached to anything anywhere, anyone anywhere. A culture that was created, which in the course of history took form, called monk and nun, celibacy, Monasticism. It's the form it took. It wasn't intended, but that was the form that it took from the emphasis on a free and spacious life, unattached, and therefore relationships were fluid, called the Sangha. Not close, not intimate, not one-to-one, -one, but fluid friendship as the way to deal with the problem of intimate relationships. Sangang Saranangachami, I take refuge in the Sangha. Sangha is, means the gathering on company of those who are like-minded and like-hearted. <coughs> this is the Sangha here. And thus there is a significant um, lack, absence of exploration of intimate relationship in the Buddhist tradition, period. <coughs> it's a huge shortcoming, period. And with it, unfortunately, it easily lends itself to the individual engaged 
Uh, some of us has done. I was a monk for, for six years in Thailand and India, blah, blah. E engaged in the individual search for the beyond, called enlightenment. Understand? Do you follow the flow? Not intimate, close relationship. Fluid relationship in the Sangha. An individual life with company of the Sangha with a kind of personal quest for transcendence. And this, simplistically stated, has been a kind of defining mark within the tradition. <coughs> the proof of monks and nuns. It's vital and important that the area of not being in a relationship, close, intimate, sexual, not, is loved and it is supported and it is appreciated and many in the room are in there. In the exploration of intimacy with the nature of life, nature of things, it's a tremendous task and an extraordinary exploration in intimacy for the engagement to be in relationship as well. Because people tell me, oh, if I wasn't in a relationship, <laughs> I'd go to the cave. <laughs> if I wasn't in a relationship, I could, I'd be so much more free. If I wasn't in a rela relationship, I could do so much more. Why did I get into a relationship? You know? I'd be a monk or a nun. No, 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 no. And rather wisely, we, because we're in India, have something to learn from the Hindu tradition on this. <coughs> because they have, in its fullness of its history, have addressed this great significance of intimacy and relationship and the discovery of what all that is about. One just thinks of uh, Krishna and Radha. Still, as I said, forgetting all the beyond, we have to find out what truth is right in front of our eyes, as it were, right in front of consciousness. With Krishna and Radha. It was not conventional relationship, by the way. <laughs> I know some of you are from the middle classes. And <laughs> you have our compassion <laughs> firstly Radha was a young guy etc I mean Krishna was a young guy and Radha was much older and married <laughs> this is considered in western world rather inappropriate <laughs> and when one says the names of Radha and Krishna but it doesn't say in the mantra, Krishna Radha, Krishna Radha, Krishna Radha. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Am I getting... Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's Radha Krishna, Radha Krishna, Radha Krishna, Radha Krishna. And it's a reminder for those, those of us who are in relationship that there is something profoundly significant about the dynamic and the intimacy of two people meeting together 
in the religious this is in the religious language called Radha Krishna. And we, you and I, we have enough freedoms in life, enough exploration, I'm referring here to people who are in relationship, to understand, hopefully, hopefully, we forget all the beyond. Because if we don't forget it, particularly for those in relationship, the relationship will be seen to be a constant barrier to the intimacy of truth because it's placed outside of the event. You understand? It's placed out there, up there. <coughs> what the hell's up there? Nothing's up there. <laughs> it's here. And therefore, a shift inside of us, an important shift, which the Buddhist tradition has not recognized in general, which means not. <laughs> <laughs> That truth, intimacy, and a man and woman, I'm using that man and woman, or it's the same gender, you, that that is as great a vehicle for profound realization as the solitude, as the aloneness, as the independence, as not being in a relationship. There's no chance in the truth of things that two people being together in an intimate relationship are in any way a block. And we've got to <coughs> break free, in a way, from the shadow of the history, the Buddhist history. It's a problem. Serious problem. Just because Gautama Siddhartha, or Siddhartha Gautama, which is... Anyway, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> Just because, I hope there are no Orthodox Buddhists in here. <laughs> Just because one man found his way to realize what the truth is in the intimacy of things and not beyond it, doesn't mean to say, therefore, that's how it has to be. And one of the factors of Radha Krishna, one of the factors of this uh, uh, intimacy, which clearly plays an extraordinarily important role, is the element of love. It's love. And our dear old Buddhist friends, bless them, have often watered this down a lot. And it has ended up, those of you know that we pass in our uh, world, which also needs another blessing, <laughs> will be familiar with the word meta. M-E-T-T-A. And this word meta has been because of the scholars, and only the, the Buddhist scholars from a century or more ago who came and discovered these four primary Buddhist languages, Pali, language the Buddha spoke, Sanskrit, the sister language, 
Tibetan and Chinese. And they came and they found these Buddhist texts in these four languages. And when they translated the word metta, it was translated as loving kindness. And for a century or more, it's got stuck as the meaning of the word. So one has these lovely Buddhists, bless them, sitting on their cushion, generating metta, loving kindness. It's a beautiful practice, I must say. It has a great deal of depth to it, I have to say. It's generated to all sentient beings, including oneself, and there's a power to those who really dedicate a meditation of metta, and one of us will uh, do over the days or more. But it doesn't communicate, my view, fully what love is. What the power of it is, the transformative power of it is. And it slips again easily into the all beings. Bless them. And it's so dead easy to love all beings. <laughs> None of us have any problem with that. <laughs> oh, may all beings live in peace. Except you, because you're a pain in the neck. <laughs> the challenge of the love in letting go of all this transcendent stuff is the exploration in the intimacy. The truth is in the intimacy, to repeat a little bit. And somehow in that, the truth and the love start to meet. They start to come together. And there is something, dare I say, liberating about it. No beyond. Total intimacy. And something extraordinary liberating about it. And I think you and I, as women and men on the earth, really have a rather precious opportunity whether as men and women who are not in a relationship or as men and women who are in a relationship to see it's nothing to do with that. It's about intimacy. That making love can be as much an expression of great realisation and great understanding as celibacy and time in solitude. They're equally tremendous vehicles when there's an understanding of intimacy, an understanding of respect, an understanding of appreciation, understanding of the engagement of love with life. May all beings live with love. May all beings be on intimate terms 
with this life. May all beings know this liberation which is always close at hand. <coughs> Let's have a couple of quiet minutes, shall we?